Hi, everybody. We are happy to welcome you to our third podcast series from EI on the Fly. Our podcast is a podcast about all things early intervention. So my name's Dana Childress. I'm in Virginia, and I'm an early intervention professional development consultant on our state's training team. So I work for the Partnership for People with Disabilities at Virginia Commonwealth University. So Emily, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Emily Webb, and I am the Coordinator of General Supervision for the Department of Public Health and the Division of EI here in Massachusetts. Great. So Emily and I are pretty excited about our third series. We're excited, I think, that the podcast has been well-received, and we have a third series, right, Emily? That's a wonderful thing. We're also happy to be tackling a topic that's really relevant to our field, especially in the last year and a half, you know, with the with tele-intervention. So as you guys know, folks listening, over the past year and a half, our whole field has experienced a big, significant change for most programs with shifting from providing early intervention in families' homes or in child care centers and community settings to using web-based platforms to conduct virtual visits. So as you guys know, we all had to do this when um, the global pandemic hit, which shut down typical home visiting for health and safety reasons. And I know this shutdown looked different in different places, um, but practitioners and leaders wherever they were in our field, I think did a pretty remarkable job making this shift on the fly, right? Um, Really, it sort of hit within a few months and states made the decision and programs made decisions that we had to make changes quickly. And those changes typically all always had the families in mind. So we had to figure out how to provide services and supports to families um, in different ways. So I think we suspect that this experience with tele-intervention is going to make a permanent change in our field. And I actually think there's a lot of positive changes that are going to be part of this going forward. So with this in mind, Emily and I wanted to tap into the experiences and expertise of others who were experiencing this big shift. So practitioners and others in the field to find out what it was like for them and hear from them as they share their ideas and strategies for providing successful tele-intervention. So in this series, we're excited that you're going to hear voices other than just Emily and me. We worked with a subcommittee of the Early Intervention, Early Childhood Professional Development Community of Practice. It's kind of a mouthful, um, but it's a group of folks that do work similar to what Emily and and I do for our states. That subcommittee collected tele-intervention stories from practitioners in multiple states, and they generously shared those audio files with us so that we could weave those stories throughout our podcast episodes. And that was important to us because we wanted you to hear from your colleagues. Um, So a big, huge thank you to that subcommittee and to the folks who shared their stories with us. So you'll hear them sprinkled throughout um, our series. We also hope to do um, maybe an interview here and there with some practitioners. So you might hear some folks actually joining us live as well. So with that in mind, I'm going to turn it over to Emily, kind of giving you an overview of what to expect this series. Thanks, Dana. I also want to just take a minute. I know you said it earlier, but for those people that are listening, just A huge thank you to all of the providers in EI who continued to offer services to infants and toddlers throughout this entire country, like while their state was shut down, while they had kids at home, while they were dealing with loved ones that were potentially sick or just with all of the collective trauma that we have all experienced both collectively as a nation and then even individually just 
when we think about what this field has done over the last year and a half, I mean, kudos to all of you because you, you're amazing. You, you did it. And it's, it's like really exciting to think about that, you know, you did it and you survived it. And now we're, we're moving forward and really thinking about how can we take the best parts of something that was really hard and um, implement them for the best interest of kids and families. I think that's so well said. I'm glad you said that, Emily, because I think it's sometimes even hard to appreciate how significant this shift was without taking the time to do it. It's sort of like people just did it. They pushed through and they did it and they adjusted. And it really is a pretty phenomenal thing. Yeah. So when we're thinking about, you know, tele-intervention, telehealth, telepractice, like, what is that? I would say from my perspective, they're all really interchangeable terms, you know, and I think the term that you use might depend on potentially who the lead agency in your state is, or kind of how your state views services, you know, you might hear telehealth and more of a a medical perspective, medical type um, setting, where you might hear tele-intervention in an EI setting and telepractice, maybe in um, kind of a clinical setting, but there, it's all kind of basically the same thing. And so, you know, what Dana talked about earlier is when we're, we're just providing, you know, web-based or telephone-based um, services to infants and toddlers. We're not directly in their home with them. We're providing them services through some sort of device um, rather than face-to-face. So next, let's hear from Christine she is an EI physical therapist, and let's just um, listen to her audio recording about how she defines telehealth. So telehealth, first of all, is a solution to a barrier to care, and sometimes that barrier of care is, is location, weather, a global pandemic, and so telehealth is a way for us to continue the services and really get to see how the parent and the child is interacting together because in telehealth, I can have the parent point the camera, um, their phone or their laptop or whatever they may be using in a very broad view of the room and I can watch them play naturally. And so the parent sometimes forgets that I'm watching, which is great. The child can forget that I'm watching and I can just take some notes And then I get to see really what's going on. What what is the parent doing well to help build engagement? And where maybe might uh, might I be able to step in and and notice something different that the parent just isn't able to notice because they're literally too close to the situation or they may not know yet uh, what to be watching for. So telehealth allows me to have that bird's eye view of the parent and the child together without having to be sitting right on top of them in the same room. So listening to Christine, I think it's important that we kind of just recognize the importance of telehealth in our field. It's something that it's really exciting that it's finally kind of happening. When we think about like, you know, we all used to get in our cars and drive to every family's um house or a clinical setting or wherever, you know, wherever we may see families, it's important that we think about like what a huge advancement this is for our field, right? Like we now have 
greater access to a wider variety of of families. Um, I think it's also important to recognize that there are some families that do not have connectivity um, and do not have some of the um, technology or things to participate in telehealth. And so it's it's important that um, we're thinking about that when we're deciding who to use telehealth for, but it's, it's a vehicle um, that we can use to be able to provide services and give a wider variety of access to services for people who may not have had it in the past or potentially to be able to offer a different, although I, I really don't like this word in EI, but like a different dosage of early intervention services. Somebody that you maybe were only able to see once a month, you may be able to bump up and see twice a month or once a week if you can do some of those visits virtually. Yeah, that reminded me, Emily, I w- we had a series of webinars last spring about telehealth and our presenter, one one of our presenters, Megan Schumacher Murphy made this great point. And she said, we're hearing all these great things about telehealth, you know, and we're going to talk in this podcast about benefits of telehealth and challenges. But one of the things, points that she made, it lines right up with what you said. She said, telehealth or telehealth has been a wonderful thing for the families who are able to take advantage of it. So you make a great point that we've got to keep in mind that not all families either wanted it or maybe they did want it and didn't have the connectivity to be able to do it or the capacity to do it while they were taking care of the rest of their family in the midst of a global pandemic. And I think we could say a similar thought for providers. Some practitioners really liked it. Some really didn't. Um, and some are finding it, they fit, it fit right in with what they were doing if they were confident coaches. And some just felt like it was a really hard fit for them as a practitioner. So we're going to talk about and hear from practitioners um, throughout the series to touch on some of those things. But, um, but the context, thinking about the context and how it affected people is really important. Yeah, I I think, Dana, one of the things we're also hoping to achieve through this podcast series is just figuring out um, through hearing Dana and I talk and then also other folks' lived experience just how you might be able to fit telehealth in as a tool in in different places throughout your practice. It doesn't have to be um, this or that. It can be this and that, and I think that I'm excited about this series because I think that we we have a lot of information that may help people figure out how it can be an and and not an or. I know I've heard lots of states are looking at ways to continue to be able to offer tele-intervention or telehealth as a service delivery option. And I think that's really cool that that's one of the positives that's come out of the pandemic. I know in my state in Virginia, uh, our state office had been looking at, we call it telehealth because we, we kind of use Medicaid language here. I think of it as like, we're using telehealth strategies and guidance to provide telehealth-intervention. I love that. That's kind of the way I separated in my head. Um, but they were our state office was looking at options for making this a service delivery option before the pandemic for a long time. And so sort of like once as a field, we had to make the switch. Then we had to put the policies and procedures and billing codes and stuff in place. Um, and then now we, we have had guidance from our Medicaid office and our state um, Part C office 
that this will continue to have this service delivery option, certainly through the federal um, public health emergency, but beyond as well, which I think is awesome. It, it allows us some a way to think of service delivery as more dynamic. And I, I like what you said, Emily, that maybe for some families, they'll prefer one way or the other, a telehealth service delivery primarily or a in-person kind of, you know, in the house or in the community visit. But some, there might be combinations of, I can think of families that I saw once a month, or I would I would visit with the child at the child care center because that was what was most convenient for the family in their daily life. But how cool would it be to also have the option to have the parent join us for a virtual session in that center? Or maybe I could meet with the family virtually between you know sessions at the childcare. Like there's all kinds of creative ways. Um, I know in our state, we're also looking at telehealth as an option for providing intervention with practitioners um, or types of service providers that we don't have enough of. So for instance, our vision and hearing um, specialists, we don't have enough of those. I don't know how this is in other states, but we might have a handful that need to cover the whole state. So now a pre, you know, a vision specialist in one part of the state might be able to support a family and child through virtual means in another part of the state. And I think that is a really exciting, creative use of this kind of a service delivery option, this, this method to hopefully build, you know, expand accessibility to early intervention for some families. We also have a, um, an island off the coast of Virginia that's a little hard to get to. And I know they were looking at telehealth options years ago. But, you know, just thinking about the possibilities, but always being grounded in what's best for this particular child and family. I think there's a lot of potential. How, what is it looking like in your state? Um, I would say Massachusetts is similar to Virginia, but in it's currently October of 2021, I would say we, we have maybe flipped it a little bit. So our governor has signed a law that has said telehealth, um, and we, I would say, also tend to use Medicaid language here too, but in our like early intervention programs, I think people are using telehealth. Um, it is here to stay. It is, you know, it is kind of required by law that providers here in Massachusetts offer it. Um, we do not yet have all of our policies and procedures around when, where, why, and how. Um, so here in Massachusetts, we are still awaiting some of that information from kind of like Executive Office of Health and Human Services uh, I would say one of the things that we have tried to message in the division of early intervention is just making sure that you are making the choice to provide telehealth, um, one, based on OSEP's guidance around what is an extenuating circumstance, and then also encouraging people to reflect on you're making this choice because it is in the best interest of the child and the family, not because it is maybe in the best interest of your program. Um, and that for us, that's been an important distinction to make um, definitely throughout the pandemic. And as we continue to kind of ramp up and get back to sort of pre-pandemic, there are some staffing challenges in, in yeah. early intervention here in Massachusetts. I imagine it's similar um, everywhere. And we want to make sure that we collectively as a state have the staff to provide the services that are in the best interest of kids and families and that we're not just kind of defaulting to what we can provide because of the resources which 
is a hard line to walk, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think I bet that'll be a balance to strike. That it's going to take time to get experience with that under our belts because there's been an emergency situation with the pandemic where that that balance was happening. I think too with what what did a provider feel comfortable with maybe protecting their own family and providing services to other families. Like there's so many details. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that in future episodes with some of the challenges that are, are coming with providing with this kind of service. But I think, like you said, I bet a lot of states are still rolling out specifics about what this is going to look like. We were happy in Virginia when the telehealth, I believe it's called like a telehealth supplement in our Medicaid guidance, uh, early intervention was added to that supplement. So it became a possibility for us. So, um, you know, there's still certainly work being done at local levels to figure out how to how to make that work. One provider I heard um, say, shared something interesting about a challenge, a positive and a challenge. She said when she went to go to working um, virtually, she actually added more children to the to the list of families she was supporting. So um, more than she could manage if she were seeing families like going back and forth to visits, um, you know, driving back and forth. But then when her program started shifting back to some face-to-face in-person visits, she's like, I had more families than I could manage. So that that staffing issues, I think, are going to be there. Lots to figure out still, you know, and the collective, the trauma of it too, is like, we're trying to figure out, trying to figure out how to drive the new bus in the midst of all the chaos that I, I hope is settling down. And I hope by the time people are listening to this episode, we're we're in all of these episodes, we're kind of in a better place overall. Yeah. I think it's also important, Dana, that we remind people that, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about this from like a research perspective and a national perspective. And I want to remind folks that you need to be aware of what the policies and procedures and laws in your individual state is. And then also, if you are a licensed provider, making sure that you are following whatever your licensing board is also putting out. Um, I think collectively people are working really hard to make sure that all of those things match, but this is all new for everybody. And I think that those are just important reminders for people that, um, you know, don't necessarily listen to what Dana and I say if if your state people are saying no and your licensing people are saying no. Hopefully that's not happening, but it's just, I think, an important reminder for people to to remember that um, there's lots at play here. Yeah, that's a good reminder. I know in training, we often say like, don't go back to your programs and say, well, Dana said we had to do this. Like, you know, be be cautious. And I think if you hear something on our pod, this podcast series that conflicts or is different than what you've been told, start a conversation about that. It, it may be that that conversation with your supervisor, it might still be, yep, that's just not an option in our state. Or, huh, let's think about that for our program. Like, ask somebody. Definitely reach out to your supervisors, reach out to your peers and ask somebody. Um, because we are going to hear from practitioners from different states. Emily and I know our states the best. I mean, I'm speaking for you, Emily, but I feel like that's where I'm grounded. But I know that it's everything isn't always the same in other states. So so just ask the questions if you hear things that, that puzzle you or interest you. Share that with someone else and, and just have that conversation. So along with that, you will hear lots of discussions throughout this series about what goes well? What are some of the benefits that practitioners have reported? Um, what are some of the challenges? What's it been like to manage technology? What's it been like to provide service coordination? Um, we have lots that we're going to get into over the um, 
you know, in our future episodes. So I hope as you listen to those episodes, you will identify with some of those things, but also get some food for thought and um, help you think about maybe a tool or a strategy or a way of thinking about your practices um, when you're providing tele-intervention that will, um, you know, it's always nice to hear something or to get an idea from someone else so that you can kind of exercise your muscles because we know that you're, you've been developing some new muscles with providing intervention this way. I would also say if this is a topic that's really interesting to you, make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast and also putting on notifications um, just so that you you know when the next episode is out and you can kind of hear it and, and follow along as we talk about um lots of different things. So going forward, Dana and I have a lot of things planned for our tele-intervention series. Um, We're hoping to talk about lots of different topics, you know, like Dana said, positive experiences, benefits, talking about different service types, assessment, IFSP, um, service coordination, just a lot of different things we're hoping to kind of cover. Um, as we talk about how we move forward with providing tele-intervention in the field of early intervention. So I hope you join us for our next episode. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.